The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask of you, Lord, help our hearts and our minds to focus. Uh, Lord, speak into our lives. Let your word affect us, we pray. Holy Spirit, come and make known to us the things that you want to speak to us about. Touch our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are. We're going through Romans, as you're very well aware. Today we're coming up to chapter 6. The first three chapters of Romans, they're talking about, or Paul wants to make known to everybody, the need that we have of salvation. And so he gets to this point where he declares to everybody, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he paints this picture, whether it's Jews or Gentiles, he's painting this picture so that everybody may understand, I have a problem in that I'm a sinner. Now, if you don't know that, then you really do have a problem. But if you do know it, you do also know that you've got a problem. We have a problem because we're sinners, but God doesn't leave us in that place. Because when we get to Romans 3, verses 23, although Paul is saying, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. He goes on in verse 24, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. So we've all become sinners. We all are sinners, but God has acted on our behalf. If it were not for Jesus, we would still be lost. But then Paul, having bought this information, and obviously a lot more than I've just uh, following on with here, he goes on to chapter 4 where he's talking about Abraham, this man of faith, and shows that we are, as it were, following in the footsteps of Abraham. And then he gets to chapter 5, and it's like he, Paul is taking a, a view back. It's like he's climbed a mountain or he's, he's got halfway up this hill and he's been dealing with all these issues and he looks back to say, wow, this is where we've been. This is the stuff that I've been looking at. And in Romans 5, we heard it when Mark uh, said it earlier on when we were taking communion. Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, that's that sense of looking back. Oh, yes, I can see the view that is behind me. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God. Have you got peace in your life or are you feeling troubled? Because God brings peace to us. As Mark said, it's not a case that everything suddenly goes silent in your life, but it's in the midst of noise that God can bring his peace into our hearts. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And then Paul goes on to say in Romans 5.17, For the sin of this one man, Adam, is because of Adam's sin that sin came into the world, 
because of the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. However, there is a case, if we really understand of how wonderful this gift is, that it's nothing to do with us. It's the fact that God himself has acted on our behalf and gives us this gift, that there is a sense in which we could say, like, well, actually, if he's done all this for me when I'm in an enemy of his... Does it really matter that I carry on sinning? Does that really matter? There's that sense in which if God's so good that he's done this for me, can't he go on being good? And there is a sense in which we could think that actually it doesn't matter if we continue in sin. And that's right where Paul has brought us as we enter into Romans chapter 6. Because the first verse of Romans chapter 6 Paul, as it were, he's preempting that question. He's already thought about, I, do you know what? If people have understood what I'm saying, then this question is going to arise. So rather than let them ask it, I might as well write it down and we'll deal with it straight away. That's really the sort of way that Paul is going about it. So Romans 6 verse 1, well then, he says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And before anything else, Paul moves on to answer that question. So Romans 6 verse 2, he says, of course not. That's the answer, of course not. There's no way. If you've understood exactly the whole picture, then you need to understand that we should not be walking in sin. And Paul says, of course not, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? What does it matter if we carry on sinning, because it, look, it looks like God's grace is going to take care of it, and he sort of will sort the mess out. That's how we might feel. But the answer is no, that's not the way we should behave. In fact, we need to understand exactly what the original position of man is to understand what has happened. You see, by acting to rescue us from sin, God is seeking to bring us back to our original created position. You go right back to the book of Genesis and you find there the story of Adam. Adam has been created by God and he is there with God. This is before any sin came into the world. The picture is that human beings have been created to have relationship with God. Not just a, a distant relationship, but a close relationship with God. And God wants to bring us back into that position because sin has damaged that relationship. Sin separates us from God. Sin makes us enemies of God. Sin keeps us away from God. And God therefore saw that. But because he loves us so much, he acted on our behalf to come and say, hey, I don't want you to be separated. I want you back for myself. So the whole object of God moving in salvation is to deal with the separation that sin has brought between us and him. Jesus came as a perfect sacrifice to pay the price of, for our forgiveness and we can be brought back into relationship. So when we go back and look at Adam and we see Adam was created, Adam had relationship with God. And you know that relationship was a close relationship. It's almost like if you didn't understand anything, Adam, you just ask God. God, the fact literally of all knowledge, the one who knows everything, he's there to help. He's there to have fellowship with. He's there to have relationship with. 
And we can see this in Genesis. Genesis 2, 19 and 20. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man, that is to Adam, to see what he would call them. Now, I don't know about you, if you're in that situation, there's suddenly things that you've never seen before. And God says, hey, why don't you give it a name? You're looking at... Now, I don't know, maybe Adam did come out. That one, that's a rhino. Maybe he did. Maybe he suddenly thought of that. Or I tend to think, you know, I think, I don't know. What is, this is an eagle. Is it an eagle? Why don't I ask God? Why don't we talk about it together? Why can't I get any information? In fact, any information I need, I can get from God. Why? Because we're in relationship. And therefore, there's that understanding. Anything you face. So, it says, God, he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals. But there was still no helper for him. Well, that's the next part of the story. But, so, he gave names to all of these things. Now, you know how many creatures there are. How did he think of it? He had relationship with God. Jesus came to bring us back into relationship. He came to bring us back to that place. If we understand that, then we can see why, hey, I've been brought back now into a relationship. There's no point in me just going about sinning because I don't want to damage that relationship. I want that relationship to be nurtured. I want that relationship to be meaningful. I want that relationship to grow. In fact, if I really understand that that's the relationship I'm in, I need to be talking to God all the time because there's so many things that I don't understand. I need his help. God, how can I do this? How do I cope with this? What am I supposed to do with that? And there's a sense in which we need to know that we can come back into that relationship. So by receiving God's wonderful gift, we have relationship with God once more. We have right standing before him. We have been made righteous before God. And now we can enjoy living life the way it was designed to be lived. That is, following God's ways, fulfilling God's purposes. That is why Paul is saying, if you've received this gift, it's not a case of live how you want, just sin so that grace may increase. No, that's treating God's gift with contempt. And unfortunately, it's quite easy for us to do that. We receive the gift so that we may come back to live out our life in the way that God designed. We have been freed from sin so that we can freely live for God. That's what's happened to us. We have been freed from sin so that we can freely live for God. And now that we're living for him, Paul goes on in verse 2 to say, now that you've, well, should we sin because grace, uh, because of what you've done? No, we shouldn't carry on in sin, says Paul. But he says, the reason we shouldn't carry on in sin is because we have died to sin. That's why we shouldn't be carrying on doing it. And he goes on to try to explain to us what he means. So, of course not, says Paul, since we have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? So Paul carries on now, and he says this, have you forgotten, this is Romans 6, verses 3 to 6, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, 
we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Now, I realize this is a lot of complicated language, but what Paul is trying to say, he's asking this question of everybody. You know all about, my gra- all about God's grace and the wonderful things that he has done for you, how he has acted on your behalf. Right, so you therefore think, well, it doesn't really matter what I do. I'll carry on just living life as I was because God will just forgive me, won't he? But, oh, no, says Paul. You've missed it. You got the idea of how freely this gift was given to you, but you haven't understood what's happening. God's bringing you back into the original position of every human. He's bringing you back into the place you were created to be. That is, as a human being, to have constant relationship with God. And to therefore, to get the best out of your life, to live life God's way. That's what Paul is saying. And you need to understand anyway... This is like he's going on to say, you need to understand anyway what's happening. And that is that actually you've died. You see, because of this representation you have with Jesus Christ, you have died. When you were baptized, he says, it's like you were baptized into death with Christ. And not only that, because you came up out of the water, you were raised again. Now for us, this is quite relevant because next week we're going to be having a baptismal service. And before we have that, I usually say, looking at the water, listen, we're going to take people down into this water. We're going to hold them under the water. I will probably repeat this next week. If we kept them under the water, what would happen to them? Well, we all know, eventually, (laughs) they would die. It's symbolic. We're not going to hold them under the water for that long. That's okay. But equally so, we're going to lift them up out of the water because that's symbolizing the fact that they are rising again with Christ. Now, every one of us who has been baptized, okay, this has happened. It's not just I got wet. It's not just it's the done thing. It's far more than that. There is an understanding that as we go into those waters, yes, we're being obedient to what Jesus asked us to do. But we're also identifying ourselves. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but now Christ who lives in me, and as we're coming up out of the water, I'm ready to live in that new life that Christ has given to me. It's symbolic, but there's also something deeply spiritual that's happening. Now let me just say, maybe you haven't been baptized. But you see, if you have believed in Jesus for that gift that he gives, the gift of knowing your sin forgiven, because of what Jesus has done. If you have received that gift, you need to be baptized. Because Jesus says you need to be baptized. But also, you need to understand that there is something that you haven't gone through. You haven't gone through this process of identifying publicly that I have died with Christ. There is something mysterious, and we can only use that word, that happens. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's something beyond just, well, you got wet and you came back out and we dried you off. It's more than that. There is a symbolism here. 
And I want to encourage anybody, if you are believing in Jesus Christ, but you haven't actually been baptized, then this is an opportunity for you to do so. And I realize we're running out of time here a bit. But even as Paul is talking about this, in his mind, he's reflecting back on the history of Israel. And it's like, listen, this is symbolic of Israel itself. They were in captivity in Egypt. Right? They were locked, just as we were locked in our sins, they were slaves in Egypt. We're just doing what our masters tell us. We're making bricks out of straw. It's a hard life, but this is all we've got. How do we get out of here? That's where they were, but who acted? God acted and came to them. I've heard the cry of my people, and I have come to set them free. So he acted to come to them, and yes, he used Moses, but Moses brought them out of Egypt, and they've come out of Egypt, and there is great rejoicing when they come out of Egypt, but then they come face to face with the Red Sea. How on earth are we going to get through this? But God, who makes a way where there seems to be no way, came down. Moses raises his staff, the waters part, and there is now a dry path through the sea that the children of Israel can go through. And that is symbolizing baptism. It's like, okay, we're now leaving the old life behind. We're leaving Egypt. That's behind us. But now we're going on to the place that God has called us to, to live for him and to enter into his promised land. So there's a symbolism that Paul is also trying to get across here to say, like, look, you've read those stories of the past. Listen, don't just read them and say, well, that's nice for them. This is part of who we are. This is the same journey that we're on. We are leaving our Egypt behind. It's not for us to continue carrying on walking in the same sins because God has set us free. Now, the issue that I find, and therefore I'm sure that we all find, is that we say, well, it doesn't really feel like that. Because, you see, I still struggle with these things. Gosh, that's the same. I, I did that sin two months ago. Now I've fallen back into it. That sin still seems to be with me. So how can any of this be true? But listen, what do you mean, how can it be true? It is written that this is what has happened to us. And just as much we might believe, well, was Jesus born in Bethlehem? What, were there shepherds abiding in the fields? Well, yes, we'd say yes. Not just because we know the Christmas story, but why? Because it's written in the word we believe it. If it's written in the word that we believe that that Jesus was born and that Jesus raised and that Jesus did these miracles and he healed these people. If we believe that, we need to believe exactly the same, that he has, we have died with him. We have died with him and we've been separated from our sins. Let, us, let me just go on to read a couple more scriptures. Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Can you hear that? Can I hear that? I am not a slave to sin. Every one of us who is trusting in Jesus, you know what, we need to say that to ourselves regularly, because we need to hear its truth. I am not a slave to sin. Well, hang on, this keeps attacking. That keeps coming against me. I am not a slave to sin. 
We need to start speaking God's truth into our own lives so that we might hear it and we might believe it. Going on, Romans 6, 7 to 14. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through, through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Listen to what Paul is teaching us. Verse 11, he says, you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live, do not give in to its sinful desires. Verse 13, give yourselves completely to God. Do you see that's going back to as it's supposed to be? Giving yourself completely to God? Going back into that relationship that Adam had? Just supposing tomorrow God says to you, right, I've got a little task for you to do. I want you to name all of the stars. <laughs> I can't even begin counting them, let alone name them. God, I need you. I need you to help me. I don't know what I'm doing. You see, when you look at it like that, you think, well, yeah, of course. But you see, that really is where we're at in our lives. Because there's so many different issues that actually, when we think about it, I haven't a clue how to get out of this. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to process this. I don't know where to begin well, where we begin is by coming to God and saying those things. It's not foolish to make yourself humble before God. It's not foolish. He knows what we know and he knows what we don't know. What it is, is it's bringing truth. It's you're connecting with him out of reality. And when he sees the reality of our hearts, God wants to move and he wants to move and help us. So it's coming back to that relationship. Verse 13, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master. You know what? Addictions, whether they be alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, or many other things, addictions seem to rule us. But what the scriptures are telling me is there is power in the name of Jesus. Because I'm not a slave to sin. I may have to work through things. I may have to face change. But God is able to help me. In fact, he is the only one who is able to help me. I don't know what issues we're all facing. Because there's different things in this room that different people are facing. But I know this. 
there's only one person who can help us. And that is Jesus Christ. And what we need to get hold of is the truth of God's word. I have been crucified with Christ. I don't have to live as a slave to sin because I'm not a slave anymore. I am now free to live a new life in God. That is the truth. And that is what Paul is trying to get across. And uh, just for the sake of time, he repeats his question and looks at it from a different angle from the second part of the chapter. And that completes the whole of chapter 6 in one morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. There, that was good, wasn't it? (laughs) Father, we bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.